Well, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. As always, we're sitting down at the table. Across from me sits the one, the only, <laughs> Pastor Nick Pierce. That's like, you, you build it up and then they hear and they're like, oh, oh yeah, it's just Nick. That's I wonder who Nick. the guest yeah, surprise yeah. is. Like, yeah, like. We no, need, I think we, our people are just dedicated enough we need that they'd be intro. like. Hey guys, welcome to The Breakdown. <laughs> My name's Strong. My name's Strong. In this episode of... <laughs> Whatever. Well, hey, uh, welcome to The Breakdown. If you're new, welcome. Each and every week, Pastor Nick and I sit down and we break down, dissect, rabbit trail over uh, the previous... Pretty much nothing is off limits, and we love that. That really is... That's We need to re-describe The Breakdown. We'll start with Sunday's sermon or a question about it, but that does not mean we will end. Or we'll start, we'll rabbit trail, but then oh, we'll yeah. bring it back and wrap oh. a nice pretty bow on it. Yeah. Nice or as some bow. people have told me, like... You guys you just guys, end awkwardly. Yeah, you'll start something, you'll get real into it, you'll answer it, you'll have something, and then hey. you'll just go off on a complete different tangent. I'm a peacock, baby. I gotta fly. I, I can't be housed. I can't Can be tamed. Can peacocks really fly? I don't know. All right, that's that'll be my question. That's for your this question? Week. While you're doing it, I'll They didn't I'll cover some. that in seminary. I'm not answering those <laughs> questions. You need to find a zoologist. A zoologist or a zoologist? How do you pronounce it? I think it's zoologist. No, that's too simple. You gotta, you gotta like class it up a little bit. Zoologist. Okay. Zoologist. Interesting. I'll, I'll look it up. We'll see. Well, let's see. But uh, well, hey, this week uh, we're breaking down and discussing uh, last week's message you did over Revelation chapter ten, which is verses one through eleven. Yeah. Shorter, sure. shorter chapter nice. in Revelation. Uh, you, <laughs> we talked about this last week. You so eloquently and creatively. Um, titled it. Titled your message, "The Angel and the Little Scroll." Which. What, what's the chapter about? The angel and the little scroll. What do you want me to say here? <laughs> no, no, it's great. I love, like, this is not me poking fun at you. It's it's just, I love that for the last two weeks now, it's been it's been more um, just... Straightforward. Straight from scripture. <laughs> in every way. In every sense of the word. Even the cross-references. No. I'm waiting for you to get up there one day and just, like, your whole message to be, like... The the sub heading in the Bible you <laughs> read point through it one. yeah and it's just like here we go this is it you know there are portions of Scripture where it's like you just get up you just read it and just w- walk away that's all you need to do I I also know okay so I noticed this to, here we go this is already a rabbit trail here we go so I like the, rabbit trails I've noticed the difference. Uh, there are many differences between the way you and I preach. Yeah. Even uh, Pastor Sean. Like yours are good and mine's like mediocre. <laughs> Flip that around. No, somebody went on and on Sunday. <laughs> They're like, oh, the pastors that you have that fill in for you. Just so are so well articulated their thoughts and they were strung together. Great. Oh, and I know that, you're and, talking about. And on and on. And I'm thinking, does he mean that I don't? And that's probably true. But anyway, you, you yeah. Wanna, you want to fix that? Just yeah. have me preach for like a month straight. Our numbers will plummet. People will leave. <laughs> ah, what? I, I have time. Anyways, Not at all. Um, so, so we're different a little bit. The last two times I've preached, yeah. I have almost, uh, very Calvary Chapel-like, unpacked verse by verse. Just so I'll read like, the whole thing yeah. and be like, okay, let's just take you know, this verse or these three or four verses. Yeah. Here's what it means. Yeah, almost like reading the dictionary and then defining it. Yeah. Where I, and it, it, kind of caught me on Sunday. I was like, he doesn't do that. Maybe that's the thing that I noticed that you just like, Hey, we're going to read through it. And then you like set your Bible down and you just like go. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I wish I could do that. You're just like, okay, Hey, here's the 75 other places in scripture that we pulled this from. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was a place in scripture. Oh, wow. First opinions. That's not in my Bible. <laughs> 
Genesis 51? What? <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. My Bible doesn't have you that. You know, and honestly, like when I was in student ministries, that mentality, that's what I would do. I would just walk through like, all right, hey, we're in this passage. Let's just walk here. This go, verse, yeah. a little bit of understanding, a little challenge. Next verse where they're all tied to. Um, and But I think it's in years of doing that and years of that style of study yeah. that I can just read through the passage, set down my Bible and my notes. Yeah. There's so many times I come back to my notes and I'm just like, I don't even know where to jump in on my notes because I've just kind of gone. Super frustrating, isn't it? Sometimes it when you is like to, you're like, oh, I forgot to say that or I should have yeah. said that. Or... And it's like, well, we'll just jump right into yeah. there. Here we go. So, yeah, I don't know if it's a style more as in, a, you know, just the way that I am. <laughs> like, it's... I like your style. And it's like, I think a lack of style is my style. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> You're like, nobody's ever looking at me like, it's got a smooth style. You're just like, that's just Nick. That's just <laughs> Nick. If you had to define Nick's style yeah. of preaching, I don't know that Nick could even yeah, we, define We call it the Nick. What is that? <laughs> we we really don't know. And it could go either way. Oh, that's awesome. So anyway. Okay. That was completely off topic. Revelation so, 10. Talking about Revelation 10. Yeah. So we, this would be the second week now that we've done this. We kind of. A little Q&R, a little Q&R. Yeah. Q&R. So not question, answer, but question and response. Yep. Uh, because we know that Nick doesn't have all the answers. But I can respond to anything, but he, baby. That Let's is the go. truth. <laughs> Um, that, that is the Nick right there. Honestly, like it's not even just in ministry too. Like it's hard even at home. Like really? Yeah. My my wife will talk to me and I'll be like, do you just want to vent? Are you just telling me or do you want answers? See, I get that. Or do you want to, you know, do you want me to respond to this or do I just need to listen? We've gotten in so much trouble because I'm, I'm a fixer and I'm more of a like, Hey, if you want to vent, you need to tell me because I'm going to have a way like yeah. to fix it or so. Fairly recent, my 11-year-old Ryan looked at me and she was frustrated about a situation. Yeah. And I'm trying to coach her through it. And she said, Dad, sometimes it is okay if you just look at me and say, that stinks and I'm sorry. I was like. Super humbling. Dang. <laughs> like this is starting at 11, you know, really? but it's like, it, that is true. Like it is okay for me just to say. Hey, that stinks, and I can just walk away from it. Like we've had, oh, we've had that conversation yeah. a lot, um, and so it's funny because, like that, that is a natural bend for me as well, just to have a response. Um, and so when I consciously sit in meetings or I, I kind of pull back just so that I'm in the moment, but yeah. not, you'll be like, "Why are you being so quiet?" And it's like, "Cause I don't need to add to this." <laughs> This is not for I you used to, to get to. trouble in staff meetings at my old church or like in pastor's meeting, you know, the senior pastor would be like, you know, I'm just looking for an idea where we could, and he wouldn't even finish the sentence. And I'm like, here's A, here's B, here's C, here's D. This is what this church does. This and he's like, do you ever sleep? Do you ever just stop? Does your brain? And so that's what came about of, they would say, oh, there's the hamsters running, you know, mm. the wheels turning is like, always going. you got like nine hamsters and they're just hoofing it, you know, like getting after it. And it's like, so somebody would be like, somebody needs to just walk over and shoot the hamsters. <laughs> they shoot them. That hamster's so, got to die. So yeah, uh, 10, sorry. No, that's right. Rabbit trail, Rabbit two. trail two. Guys, it's, it's the breakdown. It I just it. is what it's it what is. Um, it's so, our style. <laughs> Our lack of, uh, our lack of. <laughs> exactly. That's Everybody always wants to know, like, what's it like to work uh, at Calvary Throughout? This is it. This, this is, is exactly. I mean, it really is. Like, w- even right before we came in to record, like, we had about five things going at the same time. And it's like, they're, yeah, it's just, it was, it was pretty fast paced there for like a good hour just because we have 
there's a lot hitting yeah. and, and it's good ministry stuff it was just zinging here there there and it's like you just have to be like throwing zingers oh right. man just got to be on your toes baby so a few weeks ago we changed yeah. the format of the breakdown to Amen. kind of this more q uh q and r question yeah. response uh which i think has been really good we've had a huge influx of people text in yeah. to the text line um, i even sent in a couple yeah i know i put one of your questions in so did you really i did yes so was it the first or the second one yes <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Um, it's been cool because I, the way that I've been communicating with everybody, I send a text out either before church on Sunday or kind of right in the middle of first service just to kind of say, hey, don't forget, like while you're listening, if something pops up, don't be afraid to pull out your phone out and text your question in, and then we'll try to get Anybody it. Anybody doing it during service? Uh, I don't think so. I oh, think they've okay. all come after Afterwards. service, That's usually good. like Sunday evening yeah. into Monday. And so... Uh, fun fact, we're changing the day that we record the breakdown. Oh, we are. Yeah. I had no yeah, idea. You, you're the one that said it. Oh we yeah, I did. Monday, remember? Good, good delegation right um, there. Good leadership. So a little less time normally that yeah. then currently it's Tuesday. We normally record Tuesday afternoon, yep. but just some schedule things had to shift. So we're going to record on Monday. So that gives you kind of till Monday morning to get your questions in. Yep. And so we got a couple questions in this week. What we got? Um, what we got, we got three excited. questions, two, if we don't include mine yours um <laughs> which i already know the answer to yours but i'll let you thank you i uh, appreciate it do it see why um, why, why, why both, am i even here why am i even these here? questions come from the same person we both of have, these yep. oh okay so we got one person two questions yep one person two questions we didn't get uh that was the only uh question this week okay. we actually had other responses though like hey love the breakdown oh okay so, thanks so much like great nice. matt great so encouragement yeah super encouraging but perfect either they didn't have questions. You really sucked it up this week preaching. <laughs> They're just like, nice. well, we'll try again next yeah, week. Yeah, keep the, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't need that. Um, I don't need that kind of rejection in my life. So this, this could take five minutes. This could take a good chunk of, okay. of the podcast. So I want to read. Oh man. Uh, Revelation 10, five through, I believe it's the end of seven. It's not full context, but I don't just want to. Because it's, it's in the middle of a thought where yeah. this question comes from. Yeah, so um, verse five says, and the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it and the sea and what is in it that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet called to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. I bet I know where this is going. So here's the question. I bet I know where this is going. How do you reconcile verse 6 when it says no more delay yep. with the comment that you said God cannot delay? Boom. Well, welcome to the breakdown. So glad that you guys are here. It was a great, you know, nice, easy, entry-level lob question. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm, I'm looking up the original Greek right now. And so the word delay. Overachiever. <laughs> I'll be incredibly proud if you can pronounce it correctly. Probably not. I've tried. Oh. I always use the little voice thing. You know, the little guy that comes on and tells you how, it, there, how to pronounce honestly, it. Honestly, there's times like. I mean, you get to some of those Old Testament craziness, like, oh my gosh. how do you pronounce that? And I'm going to so, go to the Bible app and click play and just let it read and go, that's not how I would have pronounced that in the slightest. So it's it's the word chronos, which means time. Okay. You know, and so... Do you have Strong's, yeah, Strong's number? Yeah, uh, 5550. 
Ah, uh, 55-50. Yeah. Okay. And I don't have that memorized. That's on my phone right here. That's. I was beauty. hoping somebody that comes up to you next week and was like, how do you know? Yeah. Uh, especially viewed in sequence, so succession of moments, so time and duration, uh, expresses time quantitatively, obviously in contrast to 2450, meaning like an opportune times, which is more qualitatively time as an opportunity. Um, and so, yeah, so a couple things that I'm thinking through uh, when you hear that, let me go back. I also like to see where it's used in other verses just to see the context of mm -hmm. how it's worked and then the other words around it. And so in the original Greek, when you get to that part, delay no longer uh, will there be. Um, and so something that we have to understand, because we're thinking about how can God himself delay if God can't delay? So what's that mean? Because God is exactly on time perfectly. He's never late. He's never early. He's perfectly on time because God is perfect and his timing is perfect. And even that concept to say, what do you mean his timing's perfect? Because I thought God is outside of time. Mm -hmm. You know. And so what we what we have to understand is this isn't being attributed to his character. Mm -hmm. God himself is it is outside of time. And it's what we mean by him being transcendent. He is mm -hmm. beyond time. He is bigger than all of this. He is absolutely transcendent, but he's also imminent, meaning he is, you know, and so uh, I think there's one verse and I'm blanking on the coordinates of it, uh, that he is, he is closer than our very breath is a paraphrase mm -hmm. of it. So he's very near to us. And so, so God isn't often a foreign part of space far far and galaxies away yeah, yeah. Every, no he's it's actually very near to us but he's transcendent in his being he's you know and so how is he outside of time and then how what's this mean delay and so when we talk about timing with god and things are there's a little bit of an anthropomorphism about it oh uh, yes you remember that yep so we're attributing to god man-like kind of qualities to help understand it and so we would never look at God and be like, hey, you're early, you're late. And honestly, to even say you're on time, there's a little bit of that's figurative speech to mm -hmm. his character because God is transcendent, but he's also imminent, meaning that God can still work within yeah. his creation. And he put his creation within time because we know time, space, and matter are all co-relative upon each other. That's the Einstein's theory of general relativity. You had me till right there. Okay. <laughs> so you can't, <laughs> you can't have time without space and matter. You can't have space without time and matter, and you can't have matter without space and time. So all of those are equally together and they came into existence at the same. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. You're right. And you go to Genesis one in the beginning. So we have time. God created the heavens and the earth. You have space and matter. <laughs> and so all of those are together. So when, when we're hearing this angel say, uh, let there be no more delay that the timing, this, these succession of events, like, because again, it's not being declared for the Lord. Mm. It's being declared for us. Yeah. And that's the key. Don't take what the angel declared and try to reverse it back to the Lord. This is for the Lord. He, he, the, an angel always coming to bring a message was from the Lord and two people. Okay. Don't reverse it and take the message from the angel that the Lord gave back to himself. Because he doesn't need that. He doesn't need that. Yeah. He didn't look at the angel and be like, hey, can you, re like how I do, hey, can you remind me of the time when I need to call that one person or this? Like, you guys help me stay on time. Yeah. You know, and so that that question, 
uh, God who is timeless, an angel stepping within time mm-hmm. to people who are in time saying, hey, there's going to be no more delay. So there's a little bit of an anthropomorphism to it where we perceive a delayness to it. And that's I, how we're defining it. That's what that's, we perceive. Yeah, like because you even hear that from the, from the souls underneath the altar in the fifth seal. Mm-hmm. You know, w- w- how long, O oh Lord? Yep. Well, God's not delaying. He can't delay. One, it would attack his character. Even to say that he's within time would attack his character. So to say that he's later early would it be attack of his character. And to say that he's within time, you would deny the eternality of God. Because eternity is outside of time. A lot of times we think eternity is, you know, an unendingness of time. Yeah. Being eternal is something outside of time. Because time, technically, doesn't time have to have a beginning and end? Yes. And I guess that's true. We, we've defined it in this weird ambiguity. Of, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard for our brains to even try to fathom something that is outside of time. I've tried. And it's really, really hard. I get to the point in my brain, literally, like without right. being weird, just doesn't, yeah. you just can't process yeah. it. It's like, okay, well, so that lifetime is going to end mm-hmm. and then something's going to be on the, yeah. the other end. And, and there's other instances where we see a timeless God step into time. You know, one of the verses that we use, uh, for Jesus talking about when he came to be born, Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so the fullness of time. So God was waiting? No. <laughs> so were we waiting? Yes. Well, how can we wait and God not wait? Because we're finite and he's infinite. You know, and so when the fullness of time had come, fullness of time for God? No, God is yeah. outside of time. But there was a certain time that God did step into, uh, and he, as Philippians 2 tells us, that he put on human flesh. And, and that addition to him, Jesus as God putting on flesh, that was an emptying of himself. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we think of Jesus emptying himself, letting down something. God is so great. Jesus is so great as God that when he put on flesh, that was an emptying of himself. And so there's the time factor really is hard for a lot of people. And even when we brought it up, the attributes of God and, and you try to use, I think the greatest analogy I have is we within time are tucked back into a cave looking out and we can see the train going by the train car that we did see. That's the past. The car that we do see, that's the present. The car that's coming that we don't see, that's the future. Mm-hmm. You know, but we're tucked into the mountain, into this you know, cave, and we can only see the opening. Where God is on top of the mountain, he looks down, sees the whole kit and caboodle. Mm-hmm. He sees the whole train, past, present, future, as it's all currently happening. And so all these events to him, you know, it's as if it's currently happening. Even even C.S. Lewis, you know, so think about that, like creation to all the events of the Old Testament, to Christ on the cross, the resurrection, our salvation, our death, our walking into glory, all of that. He, th- there's nothing that God is waiting upon. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, it's, it's even a little bit of a, Again, it's more for us to try to understand it when we say God sees everything as it's presently happening. To even say it like that, we're kind of diluting it, but we're diluting it for our mind, not for his character. 
and even C.S. Lewis in his his book Mere Christianity, I think, had a good, a uh, little bit of a good analogy, and he was trying to answer how does God hear everybody's prayers. Sorry, I had the clip from Bruce Almighty run through my head. <laughs> like this, just yeah, and he's got all coming. the sound, and it's like, yeah, in a sense, I mean, they did a good job trying to like articulate that in an in a finite way, yeah. but that's not with God. And so I love I love C.S. Lewis's analogy when he was talking about that because God is writing the story of human history right here, mm-hmm. and and the analogy has many uh, different kind of things that you don't want to get too literal in applying it to God because you're going to have an issue with it. So just, just, just take it with grace. But he said, you know, God is like an author writing a book and the author is writing. And he says, you know, the, the the man put down his cup of coffee and he heard, or he heard a knock at the door and he put down his cup of coffee. So he typed that into the book on his little typewriter. But let's say the man, then the author walked away from writing the book, for like 30 years, right? And then he comes back to his typewriter, comes back to the typewriter and it says, he reads the last line that he wrote, the man heard a knock and set down his coffee cup and then writes and got up and walked over to the table, walked over to the door and answered the door and it was his wife. See, to the man in the story, Mm -hmm. those were successive succession events. I heard a knock, I set down my cup, I got up and went to the door, opened the door, there's my wife. But to the author, there was a 30-year gap. But again, because the author is outside of the story. Mm. Now, now that author in the story is still within time. Yeah. Now take an infinite God that is outside of time. Where we look at the events of our life in a very successive way. I was born, became a toddler, became a small child. I went to school, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, twelfth grade. You know, we don't think of... God outside of time, because again, he's infinite. And so he even measure the time in between the moments of our life to God, it would be infinite because God is eternal. And so he, you know, yes, he's watching those, but how he's moving and working. And so like, that's again, the author of the story is the best analogy for me because he could write that little line in my story. And then come to Jerron's story and write the next little line mm. and come. And then he makes it back around and nothing ever changed in my life. I never knew any different, any different yeah. because I'm within time. And even though the author waits or, you know, that doesn't exist because he's outside of time. And that's the, that's the weirdness of God's timing within us is that we're within it. And so we see things as if it's all, it's all happening in a chronological way, but God doesn't. But again, the angel's call is to us as there's no more delay. These events are going to take place. There's yeah. no, like this is it, the fullness of God's wrath. And that plays into the same, because you brought that up, I believe in all three services, you know, that how long, O Lord, will you tarry? Yeah. You know, is is there a point where he's like, I, I need to do this, but I, you know, like yeah. this weird ambiguity. Yeah. Is I'm, God waiting to pour out his wrath? Yeah. So. And that is hard for me because I don't, I, every time I hear that, oh, if the Lord tarries and it's like, I think there's a better way to describe that. Yeah. You know, like, yes, within us, the Lord is not tarrying. We, we are. We are. Yeah. We are. We are waiting. The Lord is not waiting. You know, and, and it's like, well, why doesn't he do it now? And it's like, well, there's reasons for that. But even to apply uh, uh, 
literally the concept of now because to do that to the Lord, that means that there should be later or future or future, you know, we or can't later is future. Yeah. So. Later is future. Or, uh, why didn't he do that before mm-hmm. you, you, we can't apply those, those words to God properly. And, and that's where our theology can get a little skewy at that point. And it's a, it's a, it's dominoes. It's a house of cards because then you attack his, his eternality. And so God's not eternal. That's why for me, foreknowledge, it's a metaphorical attribute. Mm-hmm. It's not a metaphysical attribute because God can't foreknow anything because then he would have to know something before it really happened, meaning that it wouldn't be present unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so we use it metaphorically to understand our salvation that God foreknew us. But that's a metaphorical attribute, not a metaphysical attribute of God. Because we're not applying that to the Lord. Exactly. We're applying that yeah. for our understanding. We're, we're using that term foreknowledge as a metaphorical attribute for our understanding and our response, but not as a metaphysical attribute of God. Where so many times we take that literally and apply yeah. it to the Lord yeah. Yeah. to box him in. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Sorry, my brain is. Yep. No, it's. This good. is what stings about the breakdown. Is I kind of like <laughs> turn it off. I, 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 as we're going, I don't get to process. Yeah. And that it, it is. So then, when you then when you think about salvation, you think about okay, God's foreknowledge of of us, and it's like yeah, again, that's that's understanding for us, not something we're trying to attribute back to God. Mm. You know, because again, and, um, all the metaphorical attributes of God are are stated in, because it, it wants to garnish a response from us. Uh, real quick, this just crossed my mind. Yep. Uh, maybe for someone who's new to the podcast <laughs> or hasn't heard yeah. uh, the sermon you did where you where you walked us through just quickly define metaphorical and metaphysical. Yeah. Because yeah. you could get to the point and go, oh, that made a lot of sense. Now he said metaphorical, <clears throat> metaphysical 27 yeah. times. <laughs> what the I'm heck? lost. Yeah. So metaphysical attributes of God is who he literally is. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. That is literally applied to him. Mm-hmm. So all the omnis or whatever. Um, and so God is omnibenevolent. God is all-loving. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is eternal. Those are, those are metaphysical attributes attributes of God. And some theologians will go so far that they would say there's a difference between attributes and characteristics of God. And so Hmm. characteristics of God, how I've heard this defined is more, um, God is who he is in relation to his creation. Okay. So God is, so a, not an attribute of God, but a characteristic of God is his grace because, or his mercy, because that is directed towards his creation. God is not merciful without a creation because Mm -hmm. then who would he hold back wrath from? And so it's a characteristic or is it an attribute? Well, just in the, in the, in the pool of attributes, you have the metaphysical attributes of God, who he literally is. And then you have the metaphorical attributes of God. And those are said, and these are more poetic, they're figurative. So when we You know, when we say things like God lifts us up on his righteous right hand, God doesn't have a right hand. There there was something cultural about, you know, somebody sitting at your right hand or your left hand and and there's 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 more power in that. Or if we if you remember when Jacob goes to bless uh, Joseph's mm-hmm. kids, he wants to put the right hand of you know, and he crosses them over. Th- that's more of a cultural thing. And so God doesn't have a right hand, that's a meta 
metaphorical attribute of God. And so those are the things that are used figuratively of him, but you don't want to apply them literal because, you know, okay, God sees to and fro over the land, so God has eyes. God lifts us up on wings like eagles, so God has feathers. Those are metaphorical attributes of God. And so even his foreknowledge would be a metaphorical attribute of God. And so, yeah, I think one of the sermons we walked through were looking at metaphysical compared to metaphorical. But the key for metaphorical attributes of God is it's usually written to, to garnish a response or to bring about a response from us mm-hmm. to him. Yep. So a quick down and dirty. There you okay. go. That's good. Just trying <laughs> he's, to he's like, yeah, whatever. Clean it up so someone's not like, well, I'm not going to go look this up. Even those that heard the sermon will still be like, I still hate that guy for bringing that up. <laughs> Sometimes there's times it'll be like I'll you'll say something in the podcast and I'll be like I know I was in that service and I heard him preach on this but that sounds like a brand new concept yeah. you know yeah because uh, you know um, when we look at things of God and there's descriptors of it you know that you have to kind of ask your ask yourself that question so that you would have good theology and so so when you're reading the stories like when God gets mad at Israel and he looks at Moses and he says, hey, I'm going to wipe them all out and I'm going to start over with you. But then uh-huh. Moses changed his mind. But then you read Malachi where it says, I, Lord, do not change. Well, which one is it? Did l- the Lord change his mind with Moses? or so is the he... Bible contradicting? Yeah. Or, yep. And it's like, no, no, no. One's a metaphysical attribute. God does not change. He's unchangeable in his nature. That is a metaphorical attribute that God you know, relented from wiping out Israel and starting over with Moses. That was said not for Moses to look at God and remind him, no, remember your covenant with Abraham. That was said for Moses to remember who God is and his covenant with Abraham. And to bring about that response. Yes, and bring about about that response from him. Like God is who he promised to be. And so that that was a learning moment for Moses, not a learning moment for God to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. I am a covenant keeping God. Thank you, Moses. God needs to learn? Yeah, exactly. You know, so, yeah, because, yeah, for God to learn, which. Means that he's lacking in knowledge. So, you know, there's a whole theological, it's fairly new that they hold to that. It's called process theology. And so um, one, of the, one of the scholars that even Lee Strobel interviewed for his case for Christ yeah. later came out as a process theologian. And they would believe that God does not see all future events whatsoever, that God wouldn't have foreknowledge even. They would, they would take it literal and then deny that God has it. So, because this is, so taking point, let's say, uh, let's say on the way home, God forbid, uh, your wife gets in a car wreck and dies, and and you would. This is not good because I, know, I right? had this thought on the way this morning. Okay, uh, uh, somebody else gets in a car wreck. No, it's fine. It's fine. And then you, for them in ministry, like, how do you answer that question? Which apologetics today we talked about suffering and pain, but what they would say is, God didn't know he your wife was going to get in a car accident, and that's why he couldn't stop it, and that's why it happened. So now you just attacked. Quite a Absolutely bit. Yeah. not. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's process theology yeah. right there. And in a nutshell, God is not omniscient and he's not omnipotent. Like just, yeah. Omnipotent. Omnipotent. Yeah, there you go. Because then he he didn't know and that's why he couldn't stop. He was so when you've when you like if you were watching it, yeah, when you watched your wife get in the wreck, he was watching at the same time and you both were finding out at the same time. That doesn't make him God. <clears throat> Welcome to the theological world. Yeah, that's 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 process I, theology. Okay, that's a whole nother. Yeah, there you go. 
And so they, that's what's hard too, because in when when Strobel interviewed him, like I mean, he is one of the leading minds, but like that's why doctrine and theology matters so much because, um, I mean, even for us talking in Revelation with eschatology, you know, some people say, oh, they're not core doctrines. And it's like, it kind of is because if God doesn't have a plan for Israel, you just attacked his faithfulness because he made covenants with mm-hmm. Israel that he still needs to fulfill, you know? And, or if we as the church are supposed to live through the tribulation in a way to somewhat say, oh, we need to be found worthy of salvation. Well, salvation's not by grace then. And then, and then Christ on the cross was not sufficient enough because I need to add, even if it's 2% of my worthiness, you know, then that's, then it's not by grace through faith. And so even in our eschatology, those, these are core doctrines that are needed. And so, um, I think I said in one of the services, like the most important thing about us is what we say of God. Mm-hmm. And then, so, yeah, if we, if we say things like, yeah, God didn't know that somebody was going to break in and, and do horrible things to your family or whatever. Like it's like, yeah, he was finding out and that's why he couldn't stop it. Now it's, it, it makes pastoring easy because just like me, like, but I don't know that it <clears throat> does. Well, that's the hard part. Well, it gets you off the hook because how do we, just like we talked about in apologetics, how does an all loving, all powerful, all knowing God. So why is he just sitting there watching your wife get in a car accident? Why doesn't he stop it? because there's free will. That's one of the, that's one of the responses to it. I feel like in ministry, that's, uh, but when you have a grieving family that lost their child to cancer and it's like, God didn't know your child was going to get cancer and die. And so now I'm off the hook. Cause now how do I answer? I mean, I've walked through that. We had a, we had a family in my previous church that had a three day yeah. old die. And I did the, I did the service and I'm telling you right now, there is nothing harder in the world. Toughest thing in the world. Like not only having to do the service and try to comfort, not the family, but the three or 400 people that's looking at you that also needs comfort after having walked through with the family, being at the hospital, walking through all those questions. Like, and when you're in an emotional train wreck, usually correct doctrine, probably not the way, you know, which is needed, but, you got to package that well because uh, you know, the last thing that you want to hear at a child's funeral, well, let's just talk about free will of man. Well, what did the three-year-old do to deserve that? You know, they, and so, but I even said at the beginning of the apologetics class this morning, and and there's the link to that. If somebody would want to watch, I mean, Mm -hmm. that was the whole topic was the, the problem of evil or suffering. You know, that's the number one question. And, you know, so you have, you have some theologians that completely deconstruct their faith because of it. And then you guys have like this, that attack the character of God, which <laughs> in a way deconstructs their faith yeah. in that. And so, yeah, that's the, <laughs> the implications of where just having a little skewed theology here, you play it out like that's, yeah. And that's the hard thing. Like we even had a question I think came in last week along, you know, that same route of, you know, especially so we're both dads yeah. trying to explain the character of God, the goodness of God, the world that we like trying to not dilute that yeah. and water it down, but to right size it in an yep. appropriate manner for like we're already doing this question with my almost three year old, like trying to instill, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the things. And and I know it sounds stupid, but like, oh, you got a boo boo and you're hurt. 
oh, I'm sorry, you want daddy to kiss it. No, no, like, hey, do you want me to pray for it? Like, mm-hmm. I know that's weird, but it's like, I want my daughter to understand, like, there are going to be things in life that mommy and daddy can't fix. Yeah. There are going to be things, there are going to be wounds in life that mommy and daddy can't explain and don't even understand, but God does. Yeah. You know, and yes, your physical, and like last night she was going to bed and she, she hit her, like she hit something, she stepped on and she got in bed and just, and freaked out. She's yeah. like, I, I got an owie. And it's like, first off, <laughs> let's right size this. Yeah. <laughs> your leg didn't fall off. You're not bleeding everywhere. Yeah. Which if you walked on our house, you would have thought that she was getting beat. Like she's <laughs> just losing it. But like in that. that same way, yeah. like how you, how do you do that? If you have kids, how do you right size that mm-hmm. with, you know, good doctrine, good theology, but even with other adults who maybe have different upbringings, backgrounds, belief systems in a way that isn't slamming them with the Bible, you know, and beating them with the word of God. Um, But at the same time, it's just, hey, this is a perfect opportunity to to lovingly step into a good conversation. And I mean, how many of us as adult Christians, faithful followers of Jesus would say uh, and testify to the power of prayer, but it's the last thing that we run to. Mm-hmm. Then if somebody walks up and is like, oh, this happened, oh, let's pray for it. I mean, it almost catches people off guard a little bit like. Oh, I have to do that? that oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, pow- prayer is powerful. And it's like, remember what James says, don't ask doubting. Mm-hmm. You know, like. That was my. What was it? That was my Devo Ooh. for social media. Nice. Um, which is like, for me, something that I've been incredibly challenged with. Uh, regardless of whether you're in ministry or not, is just the flippancy yeah. of of how we communicate yeah. anything related to faith, yeah. both for God and against those who don't believe in God. Yeah. Because I think it, it that pendulum swings both ways, where uh, our our tongue can cut so deep for someone who oh, doesn't believe yeah. in God that that they may never believe in God because mm-hmm. of the one interaction. Yep. Um, as well as within the church walls with other believers, you know, in the family of faith, we, you know, we flippantly go back to the prayer, like, oh, yeah, I'll be praying. Like, and how many times have I said that? Yeah. Like, oh, I'll be praying for you. And then I Not get really, back really. to the next Sunday and I see them and I'm just like, absolutely, like, holy cow, you allowed the things of the week to get in the way yeah. of praying for someone, not even praying for healing, not praying for finances to be fixed, or like just laying that situation before the Lord to commune with him. Mm. And, I've had people say to me, like, well, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> no, it is. And I want to be a fly yeah. on the wall when you stand before them. And Lord. how many times do we, we say, oh, cast all your cares before him, but we only go after the big deal ones. And then even our mm-hmm. our understanding of what we think the big deal things are, it's like, no. Like, it's so crazy how messed up we can get in our theology. Oh, yeah. At I, the street level. It's not in the intellectual level. mm it's at it's the in street the response. Line. Yeah, it's in the response. It's in the actual living it out now. Yep. It's not the sit down and how do you answer is, par- is prayer powerful? Absolutely. Should we pray about everything? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, why don't you then? Because the Sunday school answer is easy to get. Oh, amen. Yep. Sit in a room like, oh, here's, here's what you need to do. Yep. Here's like, oh yeah, I know to do that. But then in the moment, yep. sitting across the table from your spouse, sitting across the table from a friend, walking out as you would so eloquently say, the ministry of presence. Yeah. Just being in a situation with somebody, how many times do we know intellectually the correct answer, Mm -hmm. but what we live out is every other option before the very thing we would answer. Absolutely. And it's, 
it's mind-boggling, <laughs> but at the same time, so easy to understand why. Mm-hmm. Because I, you just wake up when you're like, how did I not, yeah. you know, I told the person I was to pray for him. How in the world did I let it go five days, yeah. six days, seven days? And, and honestly, like my new favorite, because the word discipleship has so many different definitions. Oh, gosh, I hate, real talk, I hate the word discipleship. I know, right? I wish there was a better term because it's been so overchurched. And even even the overchurchness of it, if you asked fifty people in a room, you'd get fifty one different answers Absolutely. for what discipleship looks yeah. like. Some and would then, say it's very And then we'd probably break into three different churches too because mm-hmm. of our idea of not just what it is, but how we should act it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Um, but my new favorite definition that I'm loving is all discipleship really is is changing our natural reactions to biblical responses. Mm. That's all it is. Say it again for the people in the back. Like all any of us, yep. regardless of where we're at in our walk of faith, all of discipleship really is, let it be those more mature than us, training us up, but all discipleship is, from the church, from one-on-one, to life group, all discipleship is, is for all of us to, to continue the transformation and the change of our lives of moving from natural reactions mm-hmm. So when things don't go our way or we're hurt, we're mad, we're angry, whatever, whatever emotional situation hits us, changing from natural reactions to biblical responses. And, and how many times do we actually find it weird and awkward when we see people respond biblically? Oh, as the church, not mm-hmm. as unbelievers, but oh. as the church. Uh-huh. Inside the church walls. Oh yeah. It's like, why, why, why are we doing that? Cause the Bible tells us to do it. I didn't think we took that serious, you know. <laughs> I, we don't I say that out loud, that? but that's what we yeah, mean. Yeah. That's what we the mean. The look on your face yeah. says it in that moment. Yeah. And I've been I I've been in both the the giving mm-hmm. and receiving oh, yeah. side of it and but how refreshing is it when when people you know in and again that's a part of discipleship is you no know, we need to normalize biblical responses. Yeah. And so like we had a hospital visit and I went and I, when I go to hospital visits, I always take a little vial of oil, mm-hmm. nothing special about that. And I'll say that to the person, this is olive oil that I bought from Walmart. It's not blessed by any vicar. I didn't buy from a uh, Christian bookstore Did or anything. <laughs> Even though they're there, it's the same olive oil you get at you know, Walmart. But anyway, it's just oil. And it's like, why do we do that? And it's like the same principle with baptism, the same principle with communion. This is just an outward expression of an inward reality. There's nothing about the water of baptism. There's nothing about the bread and the juice of communion. There's nothing about this oil, but James tells us that if we're sick, you present yourself to the elders of the church. They're going to lay hands and anoint anoint you with with oil. So why do we do it? Because the Bible tells us to do it. And should that not be enough? And that, that should be enough. And it's the, and it, that's our biblical response that we should do. And, and the greatest thing, there was a, an, an older, older gentleman. Seasoned? He, seasoned gentleman? Very seasoned, we'll mm. say. Very seasoned. Can we say that? Um, and he called me and he said, I'm reading in James and I came across this passage and I'm mm. sick. I know who you're talking about. So can you anoint me with oil Sunday after church? Absolutely, I will. And the beautiful part, I hadn't sermon prepped yet. And within the pages of scripture, we talked about oil as a sign of the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. And it's like, and so I already had my vial in my pocket and I remember taking it out and setting it up on the little Mm -hmm. preaching table. And it's just like, is that just not the Lord? Yeah. That whatever the Lord was doing in his heart, 
to respond biblically. And we found ourselves in the word as a church that it lined up. Mm-hmm. And so then yeah, right after service, that's what we do, you know, and we're not dousing you with it. Like, so he went out and bought a full thing yeah, of olive oil and bathed in it and actually got more sick. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. But that's the, you know, and, and it is goofy. So just apply that to every, every area of our life. You know, but here's what here's what's interesting. Yeah. Not to cut. No, you no, off, no. Cut me off. It's fine. Here's here's what's interesting to me yeah. because if you follow that thought process out, we'll do that with scripture, mm. but we will jump through and be defined by the world standards yeah. and not need any sort of definition or reason why. Yeah. Why do you do that? And the best we can get is well because that person told me to, or I saw the trend, yeah. or everyone else is doing it. Yeah. And it's like I remember growing up as a kid, you know, oh, I was yeah. like, if everybody else jumped off a bridge, would you go? And my smart aleck response was, yeah, if they were cool enough, I'll jump off a bridge with them. You know what my response Don't was? Don't ever do that. You know what my response was? What? Mom, why would you think I'm a follower? I'm the first one off the bridge. <laughs> it was my freaking idea. I'm Mom, a leader. I'm going off the bridge. I'm a, I'm a leader. Who? I'm, I'm taking everybody with me. Who do you think came up with the idea? Me. I can't wait to see my mom next woman. time. Be like, hey, I have an answer to your question all those years. <laughs> No, but it is true. I mean, I, skinny jeans, really? You know, okay, like, guy. Look, I wear them too. You know, well, they weren't supposed to be skinny, but I like McDonald's. So, you know, <laughs> they used to fit regularly. But think of any of the styles that are out there. Jinko jeans. Do you remember those in the 90s? Dude, I had, you could hide in those things. Heck yeah. And when it rained, it was horrible. Oh my God. Not one person in their right mind was like, this is a smart thing to do. This makes sense. And like our parents looked at us like, really? You you want jeans so big that you could hide a small child in and be like, Do you have the chain too? I had the Jinko jeans and the chain. Did you really? I did. I was too poor for all that. Dude, I I went through like a, a skater phase, yeah. a goth phase. I mean, I I hit and then all, our parents, the trifecta. Yeah, and our parents yelled at us for that, and it's like it wasn't like bell bottoms were like the thing. Bell bottoms are just a combination of skinny jeans and Jenko jeans. Yes, that's all that's they were. All that was, but and it was the same. Mark like, my words. They'll make. They'll come back. One, they'll come back, and two, we've just offended somebody, and we're going to hear about it either oh, on yeah. Sunday or via oh, text sure. message. How oh, dare you talk the about? The only it? thing I need to work in now is <laughs> '80s music. That's crazy. I had another one this week. I had two people this week, and I was like, you, I can tell you right now, you're you, not that big of a fan of '80s music. And they're like, How dare? I was listening to it on the way here, and I said, You don't have any makeup on. You. <laughs> That's all those dudes wore was makeup. Like, hand. get out of here. And they're like, The grunge wore some eyeliner. I'm like. Okay, look at I'm forgetting the band now. Kiss, yeah. Yep. Okay, there's a difference. Motley Crue, t- yeah. Get out of here. Just a little bit. <laughs> anyway, '80s music. Trash. Oh man. Where um, are we at? What are we doing? Uh, Revelation question number two. <laughs> I told you the first we, question would make take. How majority. did we get from no more delay process hey, theology process, to remember? '80s music? It's it's, it's hey, our process. It's our style, baby. Um, I'm ready. Number two. So, topic yeah. for this question is God's restoration. Oh. Um, is this referencing a physical restoration or our spirit sin nature or both? Give me a little more context. That's literally word for word. Oh, so wait, maybe when I said what our heart and soul long for is not intellectual understanding, but it's restoration and completion. Sure, we'll go with that. I said that Sunday. Yeah, I know you did because I remember when you said that. So I wonder if that's because I brought up the old car. And the, oh, you did, yeah. Yeah, the old car out in the field. Because you said, and I remember this, you said, who wants to buy a brand new car off the line? I'd rather, and I was like, uh, me, I'm the idiot that wants to buy <laughs> off the line. You're like, I want to go out in the woods and drag a car yes. out in the woods and redo it. Oh, That sounds miserable. That's the only reason I want to learn how to work on cars. I like, have zero desire. My father-in-law is probably one of the smartest men 
when it comes to vehicles. You've been Facts. to his. I've met. Yep. Yeah, you've met. you've met him. You've been in his shop, his garage. Oh, yeah. Like, I took my man card out and laid it on the table. <laughs> and I left. He doesn't I, know it, but somewhere in his shop is drawn on this yeah. man card. After being married to his daughter for eighteen years, I how less do you feel? Oh my goodness! You just it's, go up there and you're like, oh, that's right. And I, like Ashley grew up in, you know, her dad always working on cars, going to the drag races, stuff like that. So when she smells gasoline or sees me covered in oil, like, but she's not okay. Go I don't it. feel like is she a car girl? Yeah. Does she know how to fix cars? She maybe not fix cars, but like. When, every time we've bought a car yeah and like let's like hey, let's, have you checked this out or she, she's, if we rolled up on a car lot which normally yep. we don't buy cars from car lots or whatever right we're just not to that season of our life yet <laughs> they're principles <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and so if we were going to roll up and the guy would most likely think oh i need to talk to the husband she's it's like i promise you dude she knows more about cars than you do like she does her research. It's like I'm electing myself out of this Oh yeah, yeah. And like, and there's times I'll call my father-in-law and I just did this recently. There was something on mine. I was like, hey, do I need to work on this? And I called him and I said, hey, what's this? And, da, da, da. and he's like, oh, that's going to be a small little box with two little bolts in it. It's going to be tucked around. The, I'm like, how do you know this? Yeah, I'd need one of those people in my life. Oh my goodness. It's, it, it, it's, it's good. It's good to have. I mean, cause I'm the idiot that goes into, well, just like you don't go into car lots for the season of your life. Yeah. I don't go to the car. Like I don't go to a mechanic yeah. for this season of my life. Cause I have kids and they're expensive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the only time I go in is like when the thing has stopped running yeah. on the side of it has to be towed in or is like yeah. unsafe and undrivable. <laughs> That's so what I'm the idiot that walks in and you know, is sitting across from uh, these very smart car people. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, and so we just describe feel like and make the sound. Is, well, you know, I, I got in the car and made this, you know, like you try to <laughs> make car noises. You go in and try to buy blinker fluid, don't That's, you? No, no, I'm not that dumb. <laughs> like, I know, I know. I even said something yesterday, I think, to Ashley. She was like, hey, did your check engine light come back on? I said, no, 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 I don't. I think the rotator splint cuff's fine. <laughs> That's my knowledge right there. So medical terminology? Okay. What are we talking about? Oh, restoration. Rest That's how so we got, sorry, we got That's how we got onto it. Right. Yes, I want the old car. Like, yeah. Anyway, um, so r read the question again. So I'm, I'm going to go off to the context. That's where the question's coming out of. So if it's not, write better questions. But <laughs> God's restoration. Yeah. Is this referencing a physical restoration or our spirit sin nature or both? Whoever said they were separate. We have a misview of God if we try to separate the physical and the spiritual. Did God create the spiritual world than the physical world? No. No. And that's the thing. We, and, and a lot of that, that's what we think of. And it's only, we can't over-spiritualize it either. Yeah. That the physical world matters because, I mean, again, the first verse, God created the heavens and the earth. And so I, I believe it's both. It's all of that. It's because even the, what's Romans tell us like an eight or something like that, that the earth groans and it's waiting for restoration. It's waiting for this. Like even the curse of sin upon the earth, clear back from Genesis three, the earth is waiting for this restoration. And think what did Jesus say that, you know, if, if nobody praises God, even the rocks would cry out. Mm. You know, so so I wouldn't try to over spiritualize it. I would say yes to both, um, because if it's only a spiritual restoration of our sin, then why are we resurrected in our same physical bodies? Because mm. they go hand in hand. And so some people view. So there's so here's a little uh, uh, some people are. Let's see how we word this. Uh, 
dichotomist or a trichotomist, meaning yep. the, uh, us. Are we are we a body with a soul? Are we a soul with a body? Uh, trichotomy would say you're a body, soul, and spirits, okay. and those would be all three different things about us. And and I take more of a. It's, uh, I'm probably going to butcher this. It's called a hylomorphic meaning we're a souled body or a bodied soul. So we're not one with the addition of the other. We're not a body with a soul. We're not a soul with a body. We are, it, both are together. So it's it's not separating as independent. Yes, yeah. And, and, I, and I would say soul and spirit are the same things. That's why in like Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword that could separate soul from spirit, meaning the things that are inseparable, the word of God is that sharp that it could separate. Those are the same. And, and so it's, it's actually defending the sharpness of God, meaning that the soul and spirit are one thing. So I'm a I'm a soul spirit bodied. We, you know, I wouldn't take a dichotomy or trichotomy. We're a hylomorphic. We are a bodied soul, a soul body. What are you laughing at? Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> Pouring my heart out over here, and you're just giggling. No, it just if you know you, that so perfectly defines you. Because like you what? gave us two options, and you're like, no, no, I'm I'm, I'm like neither. here's A and B. You're like, no, no, I'm I'm D. Yes, I'm I'm. Absolutely. All the above and none of the above. Here's yeah. I am. Because if, if you're a soul with a body, why would God save your body? That's an interesting point. Because why, why, why would there be a physical resurrection? Why does God care about our physical resurrection? Because we either make so much yep. about one or the other. Yep. Like we disenfranchise, yep. we separate them. Yep. Because don't, don't over-spiritualize it because was Jesus raised spiritually or physically? Yes. There it is. And if he's in, in both, and if he's the first fruits of the resurrection, then why would we not think that we're going to be resurrected in the same physical body that's going to be raised and glorified? Well, what's our glorified body going to be? I, it's not going to be any less physical. According to you, uh, your glorified body has a six pack and yeah. dreads. Six pack and dreadlocks. I don't know if that is. The <laughs> I said it physical. first. I think I said it first and third service, and my son only sat in on second, where I was like, pretty much my son's everything that I'm not. You know, it's tall, six no, no, pack. You said it in second service. He has hair or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, he's pretty much my he's glorified a, body. Because you were talking That's about. That's what he's got. You yeah. were talking about when. Cliff and his boys, yes. the wrestling family. Yes. We have never had And that. then you're yeah. like, oh, my son's basically everything I'm not. There it is. That's pretty much what it is. So oh, that's funny. I told him, I said, I said something about you and he hates that. He's like, what did you say? And I was like, honestly, I don't remember, dude. Like, I'm just going to tell you right now. I have no idea what I said about you. Just go back and watch. I have no idea. So uh, the number one complaint from pastor's kids. Yeah. You being used in sermon the, uh, illustrations. Yep. The sermon illustration or, or it's not even being used. It is the overemphasis of uh what i would probably consider lying uh, like where over exaggeration yeah like we the the event or the thing happened but in order to tie it all make together it story, make a point it's, it's like oh this is the yeah. i i honestly would fall into that one my my wife was always like you over exaggerate it's like i'm a storyteller i i choose that one all she the time. Go, and she goes no 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 you're a liar but storyteller sounds so less I, yeah, offensive. It, yeah, and you never repent of being a storyteller, but I <laughs> repent of my lying. So I'm trying to do better. And then some jack wagon down here at Calvary. Yes. You want to talk about, let, let's talk about the real sin of the body of Christ. Oh boy, here yeah. we go. Someone walks up, I think in the presence of my kids and said, oh, either they were a PK or they had a good friend that was a PK. And the rule of their house. Oh, 
that every time dad used you as a sermon illustration, he got five bucks. I was like, I don't have enough money to pay for you guys Mm because either quit being so crazy and silly and I don't have to use you as sermon illustrations. But, but in honesty, like when you talk about God as a good father, yeah, you know, and us as kids, like, okay, you know, I, I love that little line that's like, you know, we want to know what it's like to be God. And so he made us parents. It's like, oh, here, create, I created these kids in my own image and now they deny my existence. That's what it's like to have a teenager. And we struggle with that. And so we look at God and say, how do you deal with this? And be like, well, I created you in my own image and you deny my existence. Like, welcome to the club, right? Except I wanted to be God. Except I'm infinite. W- yeah, <laughs> right. I created everything. You, you didn't. We'll let that just die right there. Um, all right, last question to yeah. wrap up. Uh, oh, super, good. super easy answer. Super oh yeah, easy question. Just knocking it out of the park. Uh, what was said from the Seven Thunders? <laughs> that was my question. It was your question because I even brought up. I was like the first little dirty rat that brings you did that in like up. third service because that, that's the only reason I put it in. I was like, all right, yeah, done. My is my wife. Sorry, I she's here. My I thought wife, I heard. I thought if I heard my wife girls. text. I always answer, yeah. and so it's a picture of our. Studio? Uh, yeah, it's our studio. So I said that Sunday and I was like, we don't know what it said. And and I'm waiting for some dirty rat to walk up and say, well, what the seven thunders say? We don't know. And that's okay to and not have an answer okay for everything. Not to know and how, you know, to sit in the tension of that. But, uh, you know, one of my good friends that I, I talked to, he was like, you know, there, there could be the concept he could say that we have an incomplete canon because there was something said there in regard to the prophecy of end times. Now, I wouldn't want to carry that out too much because somebody would probably be yeah. like, oh yeah, that's why we, and hold to this and that, and then they'd get real theological. And it's that's like, always the hard thing because people have different definitions yeah. like in certain circles. It's like, well, I would say that or I could use that, but then that's going to get mm-hmm. exploited yeah. to the nth degree. Yeah. you know. And even thinking of you know the Bible as a revelation of God, think of it this way. God is infinite. That's a finite book. Mm-hmm. Like you, you read Genesis to Revelation, you're done. Mm-hmm. And so, all the Bible is is merely revealing what God has allowed Himself yeah. to be revealed. That there, there is things about God that have not been revealed that we won't know until we get that yeah. side of glory or whatever. So, and we got to be okay with that. Oh, my daughter got her hair. Oh, not even. My, my daughter got her hair chopped off and they said Shit. they were going to swing by. Oh, they're not there anymore? Not, that's what I'm going to check Aww. and see. Dang it. My sweet little girl. She got 12 inches. She donated? She donated it. That's awesome. Yeah. So. And be- now I hear a baby out there. I know. I was, no, what what is going on? I am nervous. I'm nervous. That could <laughs> well, be your baby. <laughs> no, that's not my baby. Oh, you know your baby. Uh, so right. cool. Yeah. That's a great place to wrap up. That's a great. There it is. Nice, it's easy, good, seven easy, thunders. Yeah. There you we go. have no answer. We Be okay know. with it. Be okay with it. It's all right. But isn't it fun? Like, it is okay, you know, to sit around and think about what could that be. Mm. But don't fall into the trap. And this is with any kind of deep theology. Sometimes we could be so focused on the things that we don't know that we ignore the things yep. that we do know. You know, and, and again, our deep dive into Revelation is a good thing. But there is no amount of study, preaching, teaching, whatever of the book of Revelation that will ever negate. Go and make disciples, mm. baptize and teach everything that I've commanded, and I am with you always. Yeah, you can be a monk and tie yourself up. Yeah. And- Love your neighbor as yourself. 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Like there's, there's nothing that we could do that would ever remove the great commission and the great commandment. It is, it is good. It, it, it's an encouragement. It's a book of hope. It's a book of salvation. It, it should give us a burden for the lost. Um, but it, it, so many times we read scripture and it feels like it changes the mission mm-hmm. that God has for us. And it's like, if you're studying a book and it pulls you away from the mission and the command that God has upon us, that should be a clue to you that you're not studying the yep. Bible correctly. Yep. So, well, we're going to put a bookmark in it for this week. Um, next week we'll, we'll dive into revelation 11. No, we won't. We're going to record it at a different time. That's right. We did talk. Cause about I'm getting that. a way to fast and pray Yeah. for, for the first time as, and this is something my pastor used to do. Um, a couple times a year, he'd get away fast and pray and to seek the Lord and, and just, you know, always good as you're so leading. In, oh, thank you. So pastoral. as, <laughs> as you're leading an organization, you're leading people. Hey, just want to make sure, is this where we need to be going and really seek the Lord and, and give him uh, time and space? Because if I don't, my ministry is an insatiable beast and it will just keep eating and eating and eating. And as much as you want to feed it, it will take. And so much to an unhealthy level where I neglect my walk with the Lord. I neglect my family because I'm so focused on ministry. And there's, if, if there's anything Satan would love to do, that's how he takes down leaders all the time. And so just for me, not for the Lord, the Lord can step into my life anytime he wants. He makes me lie down in green pastures, mm-hmm. but don't be afraid to lay down in green pastures yourself. And so, yeah, I'm going to take uh, a couple days, just pray, seek the Lord, give him space just to say, here's my life. Here's my, my private life, my family, everything. Here's the church. Here's the ministry. And just with open arms and to seek the Lord. So, um, so even next, and that's, it's a stress to me, to be honest, it's not what I want to do. I want to be here. We have meetings. I have people I could be meeting with. We have life groups that are just kicking off. Like why? And I just really felt more and more. This is what I need to, this is what I need to do. The greatest thing that I can bring to the ministry as the lead guy is to have a, a healthy spiritual heart for the Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're going to do. And so, uh, so my pastor, Daryl Jones used to do that. So hats off to you, Daryl. I'm taking a play out of your playbook to get away. He would go camping and he, and he loved it being tense and he called it the tent of meeting. And sometimes it'd even be in his backyard. He would call me and he'd put Daryl camped in a tent. Oh dude. He's a big camper, massive camper. Now his tent could sleep like four people. It was a TP. Like it was a TP and had a wood burning <laughs> stove in it. That's not a tent. That, me and That's my a yurt. Yeah, almost. Yes, uh, almost a yurt. Me and my son stayed in it, freezing cold. Put it right on the snow. It was perfectly fine. He had. He has everything. If you ever want to go camping, if you want to get into the camping game, I got a guy for you. Don't tell me that. I. I'm calling Daryl. Dude, so much. He used to, like, he got, then so there's normal camping, like tent camping, car camping is what he called it. Then he got into backpacking. That's what I, mm -hmm. this, this is how crazy he is. And, and if I'm lying, we'll call him. He would sit. So like, he's an empty nester. His daughters are all grown up, married. And so when he had nothing to do, this is what he would do. He'd just be sitting down in his little den of his house and he would weigh everything. On a spreadsheet, he had everything weighed. So if it's like toothbrush, 
however many ounces. Uh, bar of soap, how many? He weighed everything because he knew I need to keep my pack down to 35 pounds because that's the recommended or whatever. Yep. So he weighed everything. And so he could he could just highlight everything that he wanted to take on whatever camping trip. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know my pack will be 29 pounds and 34 ounces or whatever. You know, I know I that's more than he's psychotic. Let me I, tell you right now. If I didn't if I didn't have kids. And Greatest person married, to go camping with. I my dream. Yeah. I want to see all the national parks. Yep. I want to oh, backpack. You, you, you should hear about his month long trip. He went up north. All across, all into Washington. Uh, no, this was just, just hiking, yeah. camping, seeing the national parks. All the way down California, came back in on Route 66. He is messed up. Let me I, tell you right. I now. have a feeling we like the wait when we vacation. So yeah. like here in a couple of weeks, we're we're dipping out for a little over a week, and so we're gonna go. hit up two national parks. Yep. So I think that'll be six that we've hit. Nice. Even with like littles. Yeah. Um, but I have a feeling the majority of the national parks are going to be after we're old and decrepit. Oh, the kids yeah. are gone. Be yeah. like, we just got to drive a car through to say we did. Yeah. He would just call me and be like, hey, tense of meeting, you in? And it's like, what do you need to bring? And he's like, underwear. <laughs> he had and if you don't have any, else. I got it. Yeah, got and if it. you don't have that, I got something for you. Right? I uh, saw it. And so, yeah. he. So I'm going to need Daryl's number. So he would get away and he would, he called it the tent of meeting. He'd just sit there and just, that was, that. that's where he'd be at with the Lord. I love that. And we'd make all kinds of crazy food on his little wood-burning stove in his tents. We could make some mean jambalaya in that bad boy. Mm, Let me tell you that right now. So anyway, welcome to the breakdown. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up today, maybe for the fifth time. Good old uh, Midwest (laughs) goodbye. There it is. Uh, Next week, we'll break down Revelation 11. Uh, But until then, uh, don't forget, if you have questions, you can text those in on Sunday during the sermon, immediately after, take a note, whatever you want. Get those in, because next week we'll record Sunday afternoon. So we're going to need those, like, ASAP. Otherwise, we're going to let Nick run with whatever comes to his crazy little mind. And uh, we'll be back next week, and it'll be another great episode of The Breakdown as we dive into uh, whatever the Lord has for us. Revelation chapter 11, the two witnesses. Who were they? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Tune in next week to find out who they were. But until then, have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week.